0: Hello everyone, I am Brennan Sahajan, and I tend bar at Washington State's best beer bar, the Manitou Tap House. I decided to make a podcast because the regular customers who come in are the most eclectic group of people I have ever met. And I want all of you to know the perspective and stories from the people from my bar. Hey everybody, today's guest was in my class in 6th grade, and we have been friends since. She has a great insight on life from her many experiences. She has been a Monday night regular at my bar for the last year, and she has meaningful conversations with whoever she's sitting nearby. As a real estate agent and a great mom and wife, her conversation with me is very edifying. I hope you all feel the same about Cami we Flaggett. We're going. <clears throat> I probably should have checked the mic, but talk a little bit.
1: Hey, hey. Are you gonna be able to hear the food in my mouth?
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay. It looks good. Um, so, first question. Well, not jumping into the first question. First, I want to say thank you for coming. I okay. appreciate your time, and yes. I know that time is valuable and important. So.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, and now, first question: Who are you?
1: And oh, who am how, I? What
0: led you to be this person?
1: That's a that's a yeah. loaded question.
0: You got that right.
1: Yeah. Who am I? Mm-hmm. I mean, I am nobody, and I am who I say I am. So who I say I am is Cammie Flaggett, <laughs> and 39 years old. Those are things about me, though. Yeah. I feel like you're trying to get into some deep stuff right from you the are, start.
0: You're very correct about that. Yeah. I know. Who you are, I want to know who you believe (laughs) that you are.
1: Who do I believe that I am? Truly just who I say I am. I think it all starts in language. And so who I say I am is somebody who is really committed to my family. I'm committed to uh, people with disabilities and being an advocate for them so that they can live their best life. Um, Shoot, what else? I'm totally a fun concocter. That is A something. fun concocter. Mm-hmm. That's a Dr. Seuss um, type,
0: type we have, language. Yeah, we have a mutual friend, <clears throat> Donnie Tennyson. Mm-hmm. I call him the fun forcer. So I call him the fun forcer because he he always tries to get people to do things, um, particularly when it comes to alcohol, like oh. taking shots and stuff. You know.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, and
1: that's like, it. I feel like there's another term for that. Peer pressure. It doesn't
0: matter, but it's stupid. <laughs> okay. I'm just always calling that. So anyway, you're a fun forcer too, eh?
1: No, concoctor. Mm-hmm. Different.
0: All right. <laughs> so I just
1: it. look, just shenanigans, you know, just looking for reasons to be silly. Like there's, I, it's very easy for me to be serious. Okay. And so... Why not? like I've gotta upset that otherwise I'd go I'd drive myself bonkers mm-hmm. and so like if I start getting into a funk, you know there's a couple things that can help pull me out of it. One is to you know get into other people's worlds versus like just focusing on whatever I think my own problem is mm-hmm. but uh, the other is just to get silly like and oftentimes, I notice that my personal brand of um Silliness. Silliness is very physical. Like I can, I like really use my body with my humor when I'm telling a story sure. or, you know, as a parent to a deaf teenager who we've only had in our family a couple of years, like I'll just start really acting goofy. And I just get like, almost like what you would to a typical like toddler mm-hmm. and just start just acting silly. And, uh, I find that it completely changes my mental status and cool. same with like the environment around. So, yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Hey, I, right
1: on. I'm by no means like a funny person, <laughs> but I'm entertaining. I think I am. Yeah, that's right.
0: Like you definitely. Yeah, think you I are.
1: definitely think I am. But I've had many people assure me that I'm not funny. I am <laughs> just entertaining. <Wow.
0: laughs> I think. I mean, you've I've, you've said some pretty funny things. I think.
1: Yeah. Is this a swear? Can we swear on this podcast, or is this a no swear podcast?
0: <laughs> this is a whatever you want podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm fucking funny.
0: Yeah, you are. <laughs> Kay.
1: Just don't ask like my husband. He'll be like, "No, you're oh. really entertaining." No, mm-hmm. he think he has admitted now that I'm funny, but in, in the first like we're at 19 years now. I think in the first like two years he was like, "No, I would just say entertaining." He's changed his tune.
0: All right, way <laughs> to amp up your level of.
1: Yeah, maybe that's what happened. Either that or consistency over time. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Okay, so a funny person <laughs> is is who you believe you are, right?
1: And a, well, and,
0: and a fun concocter. Mm-hmm. Well, right on. Well, and apparently you uh, have a tendency to get into a funk because you said that this mm-hmm. is something that totally. you use to compensate. So mm-hmm. that that's like part of the second question. What led you to be the person you are?
1: Oh. What happened? <laughs> well. like <clears throat> probably ate too many sandwiches. No, I don't know, I'm distracted by it. That's an amazing looking sandwich you've made.
0: I um, hey, if you wanted anything. No,
1: I'm good, it's just an amazing looking sandwich. I, that doesn't mean I want one. I'm a, it just means I'm an admirer of your sandwich. I take
0: pride in my sandwich making. Yeah. It's pretty much my favorite foods is uh, a
1: sandwich. A san- and you call it a sandwich, not a sandwich?
0: A sandwich, yes.
1: Mm. That's what this is.
0: We're gonna have
1: to agree to disagree, there. Okay, though. cool. That's a beautiful sandwich. Thanks. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> so, what happened? Well, <clears throat> shoot. You know, I've done a, so some of the personal development I've worked, I've done that type of work, and uh, I've looked back like into like you know the young years, like okay, what happened, and what did you make it mean? Mm-hmm. And my first like vivid memory that has shaped so much of my life. I was three years old. My dad was in the front yard of our home in Shadow neighborhood in Spokane. And they they were cutting down this big pine tree. And I went outside and my dad must have like said something along the lines of like, Oh, you don't have, you know, eye gear or something, like you don't have the right gear. Like I think he was trying to have me not feel bad about um, being a young yeah, child. Whatever, yeah. yeah. And so I went inside and got a pair of like yellow ski goggles. Awesome. And I came back out and they were humongous. I had to hold them on my face and he thought it was super cute and he started and he started laughing and picked me up. But then he said, You're just you're just too small. You're too little And so like my whole life, uh from there out I tried to start proving to everyone that I wasn't small.
0: Mm. And then
1: I remember not too long after that I, and I would walk I always had like an apron. And so I would also yellow. I was walking wearing this yellow apron at the grocery store and I remember going toe to toe with a full grown man who was probably six foot. um, And I looked, you know, straight up at him and said, I'm bigger than you. And of course he just smiled and patted my head or something along those lines Mm -hmm. of I'm big. So anyway, I like, when I looked back at those experiences and then like looked forward into my life, and what I had done, it was like, oh yeah, okay. I started playing hockey with boys when that wasn't a thing, mm-hmm. like wasn't a thing. There oh, was yeah. no girls' hockey. That is
0: definitely one of the things that I think very highly of about you.
1: Oh, little trailblazer, I just or something. Think it's awesome that you play hockey. It's a cool sport.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So anyhow, um, there was that, and I, you know, the boys they're all one the ones that I run into to the to this day are so gracious and they have very fond memories of me being on the team at the time that's not how it occurred for me Mm -hmm. um particularly my senior year so I started playing it when I was 12 which is such an impressionable time and then like so I had I what and I switched from figure skates to hockey skates Yeah, yeah it was and it was just a nightmare I had these used hockey skates had like a a really strong rocker on them, so i had just very little blade to balance on and was just a zamboni in the ice out there with my Mm -hmm. body i didn't know the rules and i had this ponytail sticking out and so everyone knew i was a girl so now i'm the only girl on the ice and i'm terrible Mm -hmm. so in order to blend in on the ice i cut my hair short which um off the ice i just looked exactly like my little brother so everywhere we went everyone thought we were identical twins (laughs) i was his big sister so um you know things like that started shift you know shifting where it was like now people don't understand who i am um people are mean like those like little um those are the things i started having things mean the things that other people would do mm-hmm. and then um, my seniors what's of that I, I no I, I don't think you were okay no I don't remember us crossing paths much in that was middle school yeah so I had everyone SNL had uh, a skit with its pat and it was the androgynous like I don't know how that would land today with all the LGBTQ like enough. I don't know so um, parts of it are funny but parts of it would probably be this terribly inappropriate now that we have more
0: of course (laughs) you know language
1: language just like changes everything when we get like a better way to express things Mm -hmm. just like you look back and like even the best of intentions can be so crappy back then you know like or that's what it seems like now but anyway people called me pat everywhere i went and they didn't know oh yeah they didn't know if i was a boy or a girl i'm seriously like everyone thought that my brother, Jared, was my twin, identical twin. They would say, oh, to my mom, oh, you have three boys. And she's like, ah, well, we also, well, this is our daughter, <laughs> you know? Was, oh my god! Yeah, gosh. And I mean, you know, what? like that's one thing, like a lot of people choose to be sexually, well, I shouldn't say choose, but like they present themselves as sexually androgynous. There's a the whole other conversation, but I was definitely identifying as female mm-hmm. and straight. And this was 1992 in conservative Spokane. And so it, the, the sometimes it was certainly just innocence. They genuinely thought we were just identical yeah. twins. But then there was also an element of kind of meanheartedness where people would <clears throat> say certain things mm-hmm. that were in, intended to um, wow. point out that I was different. So I'm different became... Um, became kind of a, a thing that I think started shifting into my life and become like like to this day I feel like just different, you know? Like I don't relate to the fully politically to either party. I always like I'm a genuine independent. There's certain topics on both that I'm fully on board with, but it makes voting very difficult because the way bills are written. So there's always there just started becoming this thing of I'm different. Mm-hmm. I think differently. Um, at that time, looked differently. I think I blend in with the average person now. But um, yeah, and then let's see here. So how how far do you want? I mean, I that's, don't know. that's I, twelve. This is
0: all up to you. <laughs> I, I mean, this is actually kind of shocking to me. I had no idea. I mean, since I knew you back then. Yeah. Um. Wow, that's crazy. It's so weird to think, like in retrospect, like that. How. <clears throat> I would. I never would have thought that that you were thinking all of those things at the time. Oh yeah. It's, you know.
1: Yeah, misunderstood, different. <clears throat> I don't belong. Dang. But I was kind of stubborn. I was just stubborn enough. Like I loved hockey, and so I was like, "Well, I'll show them." So then I got this like chip on my shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, because I think human beings are naturally built to overcome. So even though I had those those feelings and thoughts I think na- then naturally I have to overcome it so I became really tough yeah. so I went everyone who knew me when I was really little like before my typical memories mm-hmm. say I was one of the sweetest little girls I met just had a really sweet demeanor and um, a real gentleness about myself and I'm now refinding that as an you know almost mm-hmm. 40 year old but it's taken me you know like 30 years in between kind of 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 being this little like tough nut, yeah. To to kind of get back to who I think I really was to begin with from a nature standpoint.
0: Oh, okay. <clears throat> right on. Keep going. <laughs> no, this is awesome. Yeah. I want. I want to.
1: So. I, oh yeah. Well, it's, oh man, like one of the one of the most shocking experiences I had playing hockey was. Um, we were in Missoula, Montana. night mm-hmm. Let's see here, It was. Would have been the, like January or February of like 1998. Mm-hmm. And we were playing in a tournament, and the uh, we're out on the. It's an outside rink where we were at the time, and I just remember, I think it was like chain link even, and you could really hear the fans this day and. All of a sudden, the other team, I don't know if it was Missoula. Chain link, or,
0: it means like there's no glass?
1: Yeah, sometimes on that. That happens? Sometimes. I know I'm in Whitefish, slow. Montana, they had that one time. And there was like negative 27 with the wind chill, And it was just, it was wicked. Everything was like slow motion because we were so frozen. We had to go into warming huts ever like a couple times. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty intense but um so but what I remember and I don't know I don't want to blame Missoula or Missoula because it could have been some other team actually I think it was Bozeman I think it was Bozeman they knocked me out on a different game when we were in Spokane they hit me when my head I put my head down and they completely knocked me out and they played they played against me pretty rough and which you know that happens and then now we're playing them again whoever it was and i just remember that it was the same team Mm -hmm. and they uh all of a sudden i hear the parents chanting kill the bitch kill the bitch oh my god yeah and they chanted it for like a while and my mom she was the one who drove me over for that tournament she's standing in there you know she's a teacher and she like wants to correct them and but she's also like they're like lynch mob And she's like, oh, my gosh, if I say something, they might, like, they might actually, like. (laughs) (laughs) And this was even, like, a a progressive part of my life. And so, anyway, um, that was pretty shaping because it was, like, now it's adults. It's not my peers. Well. You know what I'm saying? And so then, like, that chip grew real big. Like, it went from, like, a little, you know, Pringle to, (laughs) like, a box of Pringles. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, so... The cool thing is I just kept playing tough, and um, and uh, at the end of the tournament, we ended our game, and it was something like 1.30 or 2 a.m., and... The other team got to pick, it was kind of cool, they actually gave out some awards, and the other team got to pick like who our MVP was. Mm -hmm. um, And they had a couple kind of made up awards. (laughs) And I can't remember what the one was that they gave me, but they picked me for it. It was like Iron, I think it was called Iron Man. (laughs) Mm. And basically it was like who was the toughest. And they selected that I was that person and y'all line up at the blue lines and face each other. And in hockey, you know, to clap, you just knock your stick on the ice, okay. and so um, they really went crazy with their sticks. Like normally, it's just like some like subtle tapping, but they like two hands on their stick were just clamoring about, That's and awesome. and then uh, so I curtsied. <laughs> that was like that was like I felt like everything led up to that moment where I was like I proved myself. So yeah. then I quit playing for twenty years. <laughs>
0: Hey, well, right yeah. on you got the Iron Man Award. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome.
1: So and then I joined the service, you know, and there's still just like less females than males there. So just like furthering my point of view that I don't belong, you know, and of course I didn't really have that experience what branch? in the service. I didn't know that either. Oh. Army reserve. Hmm. Yeah. So I was nineteen when I joined. Um and then, and I did it just a little over four years and then found out that I had a neck condition. My arm was going numb and well, which all started happening right after I got the anthrax vaccines. Want to get into some, some weird shit. Wow. Yeah. So the government says that the anthrax vaccine is not a issue, but that's what they believe is the Gulf War syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so um after i got the anthrax vaccine my neck started hurting like it had always hurt but like something went like extra and my arms started going numb and um so i went to sit call when we weren't out in the field kind of practicing for war and just to kind of get it annotated because they Mm -hmm. always say i get everything annotated and they said your neck's really jacked up you need to be discharged so um, Whoa. so I was medically discharged because of a neck and I, I actually am confident I know what happened to it. I was snowboarding in eighth grade and I did a dumb thing and I landed on my head mm. and I never really went to a doctor. I went to a chiropractor like a couple weeks later and he like said, Oh, you lost like an inch of height after he did some traction move. And I was like, huh, didn't occur. I mean, I just curious, I, what was his name? I started with an H. It was mm. up there by the Y.
0: How? How?
1: No. Hmm. I have an awesome chiropractor now. He keeps, it's like an anvil gets slipped off my head when he pulls up on it.
0: So you believe in chiropractic medicine?
1: Um, mm. I am terrified of it.
0: Who's your awesome chiropractor now?
1: Knox Pittman.
0: Oh, that, speaking of Donnie Tennyson, his mom used to be married to him. Oh, funny. Yeah, I know Knox. He's a yeah, good guy.
1: He's a, yeah, and he's a phenomenal chiropractor. Hmm? I mean, he really, I. He's still I, up on the hill? Yeah, he's just... So you drive
0: all the way up in the hill?
1: Yeah. Well, he's not very... I mean, he's like on 5th, so he's oh, not yeah. very...
0: Okay.
1: Not very far up, but I know he lives way north. Yeah. I know yeah. that. Yeah. He right d- he keeps my body, like, functional. Oh, cool. Especially with my neck, like, yeah. And my husband also gives me traction. Mm-hmm. I lay on a bed and he yanks on it, and it's fabulous.
0: You ever try, like... Um
1: Invert, um, I have yeah, an inversion, inversion table tables. yep I have an Does inversion that table that helps more with just stretching my back and stuff which they're all connected <clears throat> so I think that it's good and I mm-hmm. do it but for my neck because I because of the way I so what they said in the service because everything had healed so you can't see any fractures but they said you had to have broke your back real excuse me my neck pretty significantly um, to have done what I did yeah, and I mean, it's just very misshapen. It's going the wrong way. It's wow. Yeah, it's pretty jacked. But um, so because of that, like it kind of compresses down. Were you
0: in ski club in
1: eighth grade? No.
0: But, oh yeah, because I, I no, don't I started because I was part of hockey. the Crew. Yeah, okay. I was playing yeah.
1: hockey, and so <clears throat> my parents had three of us playing. Um, hmm. And so those were at that time, you know, basically hockey's all the weekends. Yeah. So it just we would still get up, and when I switched from skiing to snowboarding during middle school. Mm-hmm. And then I switched back to skiing after, oh, okay. I, after I graduated high school.
0: Yeah. So did you play hockey with Tyson Knudsen?
1: Well, he was better than me.
0: Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I remember yes, him we either. definitely.
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely <laughs> saw each other all like at the rink. He was so the the year that I played my highest level was my senior year, and I made a representative hockey team. It was called Midget A. It would be like U18 now. Okay. And Excuse me. It was midget B, but we played A teams. And so Tyson Knudsen, he played on the A team. Gotcha. We played double A. Right. And so we saw each other a lot and, of course, school as well. But Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, after going 20 years, speaking of Tyson, mm-hmm. after going 20 years without playing, one of the first, I think it was the first, yeah, the first time I geared up, I think it was actually at the time was 14 years ago. So you're playing, like, right now? I did just start again, but then, like, Hmm. so a few years back, I guess I'm I'm not saying this in a real sensible way, but, like, after 14 years of not playing, 15, 16, something like that, I geared up once, and I played on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And um, Tyson was out there playing, and he was on the other team. And it's, you know, been 15 years, I weighed more. (laughs) Like, I hadn't been working out. And everyone's like, it's like riding a bike. Okay, so... I go to like transition from forward to backwards really fast. You know, you do some little fancy crossovers and my brain is like, oh yeah, you know exactly what you're going to do. And then I went to do it and my body did something totally different. And I was like, onto the ice and you know, like the puck is like under me. So people are like kind of hitting at me to get the button. I just hear Tyson above me and he's like, are you okay? I'm so embarrassed because I am a total shit show. I cannot get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. You cannot believe how much harder it is to get up off the ice now if I go down. So, anyway. Mm. Wow. So I yeah, Tyson's a good dude. He's a great hockey player too. It's amazing, amazing. to see somebody. Yeah, he's really good. What's what amazes me and, and now after kind of getting back into it more seriously at the 20 year mark, uh, I'm seeing people who I used to play with and I did, there were two years that I played on in girls league. They did end up starting one in Spokane. It was like mm-hmm. cutting edge. And so I played on those and on boys house teams, those first couple years to get extra ice time. <clears throat> and I'm seeing some of those girls who at the time, you know, I was usually getting team captain, which is very unusual as a defense. We called ourselves defenseman, defense person, defense player. I don't know yeah. who cares. Anyway, I don't care. Let me say that. Uh, that these gals who were, you know, mediocre skaters, they haven't stopped, and now like they're phenomenal. They're tearing it up. Yeah, and it's not like you know, as an adult, it's not that. What we, does that mean
0: to you, though? Does that mean well, they have just, really good puck control and they shoot well, or they're super yeah. fast and they hit hard, or what?
1: Well, it's non-contact for most adult hockey. Oh, even men's they usually call them <laughs> gentlemen leagues. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, even. Even the co-ed ones. generally, that makes ones. sense? Yeah. Co-ed, I played as a sub this summer. Horton's hockey, it was super fun. Um, but the, you know, so yeah, all of the above except for the hitting. But they've just gotten to be really smart players and really consistent, um, you know, with their skills.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well... I'm. I'm going to segue into the next question because I think that there's more in this first question that mm. you have to say. Who I, am I? But I think that the the second question is is it going to draw kind it out? Kind of tied into it. It's
1: going to draw it out.
0: Yes. Okay. Um. The second question is.
1: But while you're doing that,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: don't think any of that is who I am. Really? No. It's just what I've done and how I've experienced it.
0: But don't you think that all of that has to do with who you are?
1: I mean, this, like, skin and bones bag, yeah, but I guess I just don't... I only relate so much to that as who I am. I've had... I've just had to do so much spirit work because of, you know... Well, we might get into this later, but having had a child who has passed away, like, I just... So the second yeah. question
0: is, what is worth dying for, and does any cause actually hold weight anymore? Yeah. Oh. So, for um, me personally... Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I don't think I'd want to die for a lot of things. <laughs> the list is probably pretty little. Um, no, I get it. I, I mean, I definitely I would definitely throw myself in front of, you know, a vehicle or a bullet or something like that for the
0: people who I care most about. Um, well, most of the time people say if they have kids, there's like, oh, yeah. I would die for my kids. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. I'm one of those people too. Yeah. But...
1: I actually think my instincts would take over and I don't know if it's army training paired with my natural like nature if you will versus the nurture so maybe the combination of my nature and combining that with the nurture of what the military was I I'm very and I played defense in hockey right like I'm very like um, kind of safety oriented, almost like I'm like all about like stopping the things coming here versus pushing out into the world. Mm -hmm. And so if things are coming at me or somebody else, I actually think that I would probably make that choice to put myself in front of, you know, somebody else's harm's way, even if I didn't know them just out of instinct. So if I died, I hope that the people who care about me would just say, well, it was worth it, you know? Hopefully that person's not a total fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But if they are, you know, like, you got to just, like, go and go, okay, well, there's a bigger plan maybe at play.
0: So, well, actually, and why I wanted to ask, I wanted to segue in, um, is since you've had, you've had, like, death up close personal, do you yeah. look at it in a, I feel like you look at it differently than other people do. I mean, I've had people that I've been friends with and stuff die. I've never really, I mean, I like had my grandma die, but I've never been around death, like on a really real level. And I mean, and you have, And I did you ever, when you were in the military, did you ever see any action no. or anything? Okay. No, nope,
1: I stayed stateside. All right.
0: But either way, I mean... It, it's been real close.
1: I've seen, to you. yeah. So when I was medically boarded, I saw people coming back with PTSD and shrapnel in their spines. Mm-hmm. And I did see the impact of war um, mm-hmm. very close and personal. And many of those people had seen people die. Mm-hmm. So it kind of got my kind of second hand there. Sure. But, but it was still pretty intense when there was a large number of people dealing with that stuff. I'm sure. But for myself, so. Sierra was born December of 07 with mm-hmm. a rare ring chromosome 18. At the time there was like 150 documented cases. And um, with that, I, like the easiest way for me to explain it is that, um, so Down syndrome has a third copy of a tri- of a chromosome on the 21st mm-hmm. chromosome. Sierra actually was missing a portion of a chromosome on the 18th. So it's very, it's different, sure. but it's a syndrome in that regard. Um, It just, it was rare enough it didn't have a name, like Downs. And so uh, whenever there's any sort of chromosomal anomaly, it's very common to have medical anomalies come with that. And so she was just kind of riddled. And um, some of them were smaller diagnoses, but there was easily like 50 different diagnoses that she dealt with daily. Well, not dealt with daily, but that she was given. And the most severe being really um, severe hypoglycemia to where she had to get fed through a G-tube into her stomach 24/7. she had to have a drip of something going on. If something happened and got like accidentally unplugged or like accidentally unhooked and we didn't catch it right away, she could drop dangerously low very quickly. Um, She had lung issues and she had to have a whiff of oxygen her whole life just to keep her pink. And then she had like five different heart conditions. And um, we thought it would be her lungs that would ultimately take her, but it ended up being a quick cardiac event, some V fib. So uh, we always said, when her heart's done, we know that she's done. That, um, that
0: might have been better, actually.
1: Oh, totally. Because typically with lungs, what would happen?
0: They like turn on. Oh yeah, right?
1: and yeah, it's that's... like, and it's like weeks. But so yeah. like she, in her, she lived to be like five and three quarters, and mm-hmm. so in that time frame, I say it very specifically because like each day felt like. A marathon. I mean, it was just intensely long days.
0: Yeah,
1: it, it's like, and the thing I want to say too is like Sierra lived a lifetime, and because that was her lifetime, and so yeah. that means that's a lifetime, and and yeah. it really and it also felt like a lifetime for me, and for I I believe that my husband said well, would say the same thing. It feels like a lifetime ago now that we're living without her for six years. It's like, it's, oh yeah, that other lifetime. Is
0: so different now. Yeah. yeah. No. But, I, can, I mean, yeah. I kind of can imagine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you can. <clears throat> People can imagine better than they think <clears throat> or than they want to admit. Well, I mean, cuz you don't want to I, sound I like am... pompous that you like can like picture what that would be like but the truth is like as somebody who's imaginative I've imagined what it would feel like when she died before she died and then when that happened it felt pretty fucking similar (laughs) like it's pretty similar like I think people's imaginations are relatively accurate if anything they make it worse
0: yeah yeah well I I actually meant because I sort of did live a different life before oh the lifetime yeah. yeah
1: when you were in Thailand and
0: yeah and Different marriage, different belief ways. Sure. That I think. Yes. Everything, everything's so different. It's
1: now, all so. shift, shift.
0: Yeah, that's. Do you I'm get
1: a, Do you get to share much of your stuff on this podcast?
0: Not a lot. Should
1: we turn the mic on <clears> you? No,
0: I. It seems like everybody tries to do that though, and I sometimes will. You know, uh, I put some stuff in here and there, but um, no, that, <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> Someone else has to ask me on their podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but anyway. So really, though, um, it, it it does seem like that you answered the what would you die for question easier than other people um, because yeah, maybe it is because you're the first person that I've had that had any kind of military at all. Mm. Not that yours is really, you, you weren't. Yeah, well, yeah, no. I,
1: I wasn't in combat, but I right. but in basic training, one of the things that you chant in bayonet training, which if you picture what bayonet training is, mm-hmm. you have a knife connected to the end of your oh, M16 and, yeah, yeah. You're pictu- and you're and you're
0: you're practicing
1: stabbing someone in hand-to-hand combat. And the drill sergeant says, "What makes the grass grow green?" And everyone else who's standing in front of this rubber tire with this, like, rubber thing in between it, and then it has this, like, baseball bat kind of thing that's on a hinge, so it swings from left to right. And so you have to practice with your bayonet, like, moving their, you know, imaginary Body. bayonet. Well, they also have oh. a bayonet in this training, oh. or their, MC, you know, whatever. Gotcha. Oh, the baseball the bayonet, so you're getting so, the way. So this, like, rubber tire person <clears throat> who has, you know, and then yeah. their, their little thing. So you, like whack it out of the way, like a sword fight kind of, and then you stab them. And in the military, they go, what makes the grass grow green? And all the, the soldiers in the platoon the blood yell, blood. Circle. I mean, that's, you know, like, I mean, it, it, I was 19. I didn't think a whole lot of it, but looking back, I'm like, oh, ew. Like, wow. I, there's there's actually nothing on this planet that I hate more than war. And I didn't get that until later. Um, and I didn't go, but it's like, I'm so grateful for those who will defend. Um I just my I just it hurts my heart and my mind that there are leaders in this world that cause a reason to defend.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I'm with you. I I mean I can't even watch war movies just Yeah, I can't even like, in up. the fight I'm scenes and stuff it's just too so. I just start crying. Oh can't handle it. Yeah. Well, you can handle it, but it's just
1: not what, well, listen, with <clears throat> what we see visually, like that doesn't leave, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. it's good
0: to be protective of our minds. I agree in many different ways. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the second part of the question though, I, I think is actually really more significant than okay. what would you die for. Do okay. you, do you actually believe that there are causes that hold enough value that are to... worth dying for?
1: Sure. I just, for me personally, uh, like actual cause though, that that's a little trickier. Um, well, semantics. I mean, yeah, cause yeah, or I not,
0: mean, like, is there something that. I just
1: picture the good my children will do in the world. Like, they're just really, like, uncommonly amazing. And I know that. That's like my yeah, parents' No are supposed one else to says say. that about their no, kids. No. I know. Dude, like, my one kid, like, has this commitment to, like, humanity. Like,. She's, she does have an uncommon and uncommonly high intelligence that's proven in her test scores, like from like the state testing and all that stuff. But she also like,
0: this is Dakota who I subbed for the other. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like she's wicked, wicked smart. And she's this like, she's not even a double trap. She's threat. She's like a, you know, quadruple threat or something because she's gifted with science, math, language, and people and emotions and she's deeply caring having been sierra's big sister and i think had she not been sierra's big sister she probably would have been an asshole (laughs) but she she got so much compassion from being her sister Mm -hmm. and then now uh, our son whose name is son we did not change his name Mm i think it's quite happy So and so, she's learning, you know, sign language, Spanish. She has every intention of being trilingual, and then after that, I think she would probably just continue. But she wants to be an astrophysicist. She stalks NASA, like she wants to go, like into space and like figure out things that can help change humanity. We just
0: had the all-female
1: spacewalk. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, she told me I wouldn't have known about that, but she told me. Mm. (laughs) I do not stalk (laughs) NASA, but she gives me little. Facts and stuff. We she got we got to listen to Anne McClain, Spokane's very own astronaut. Recently, mm-hmm. she was at the, Spok- or the Spokane Symphony, and they did like a 50 year anniversary of the moonwalk, and that was really cool hearing her talk about like she was on. Uh, I don't know if actually she's called it a spacewalk. I thought, but I'm picturing like a moonwalk or whatever. And she
0: she, she did a spacewalk. Yeah, Which, Anne McClain. Yeah, she hasn't been on the moon. She just it was, actually oh, so you follow it.
1: this stuff too?
0: Sort of. I mean, okay, I, so because
1: she was saying she was touching, must have been um, international, the International Space Center. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's out there and she's like, and that's there's... called a
0: spacewalk. When you're floating out you're just and you just floating. have like a cord and oh. you're doing stuff, that's a spacewalk.
1: Okay, so that is, yeah. okay. Which Sh- that is, is cool, what she said. I just, even being yeah, alone, floating. Right? Yeah. yeah. You're
0: just like working on stuff outside of the, and if your cord happens to get yeah. cut, you're toast. Bye. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's scary. Yeah
1: brave yeah. woman and she's yeah. really well spoken and she said she's you know she's like in there and she's standing on stage in her blue uh, you know nasa suit and just looks so legit and mm-hmm. she's so well spoken and she's talking about like here's my boots and like these are the same feet that i have seen like kicked up watching the tv
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then she's like and there's my boots and there's earth
0: Way over yeah. there, which
1: they're actually only 250 miles above us. Oh, that's they said it multiple times, and I was like, no way. I mean, but that's like it seems so um far away, but like we drive that in a few hours, yeah, but but it's in space, straight up, yeah. Because then that's she different. talked about <laughs> then she talked about like you know mm-hmm. how like fragile everything looks from the from from space and how it's all connected and how thin our atmosphere is and they can see this. And like when a typhoon hits here like that and a tsunami, like this isn't them that's affected. It's us who's affected. And like astronauts, I guess, have this extreme sense of responsibility to share this story. And then they turn around and then they look away from the planet, you know, planet earth and they look out into the universe. And they're like, Oh, we got some exploring to do. (laughs) So I have a kid who's committed to that scale And that's awesome. I know. So, so yeah. So like for a cause of what I would die, I really would die, not just because she's my daughter, but like I get her commitments and I think they're uncommonly amazing. And at such a young age, it's like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. And and there's so many people like that. And I think probably all of us have some element of that in us. Challenge for me has been to figure out what mine is, I guess. I just (laughs) I guess I live vicariously through my kids, a little like, you're the ones that I'm doing this for. I don't know, so they're my causes.
0: Well, that sentence was a perfect segue into our next question. Okay, oh. Which is, uh, where does your inspiration come from?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, for they just fuel me up. They don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The kid can be a total jerk sometimes, you know, just typical teenage stuff, but I'm so sensitive that it hurts my feelings, <laughs> you know, oh. I mean, it's my kid, yeah, totally. you know, like they're, she's like my own personal brand of like kryptonite. So, and she's the wow. one I've spent the most time with. I mean, I've three children total, one not Earthside, one that's been with us for two and a half years, and then Dakota, mm-hmm. who I've had for almost 15 years. And I've spent more time with her than anyone else on this planet, including my own mother. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I think she's like the coolest and the meanest all at once. And she's not mean, but like, I just am so sensitive to any of that stuff. No,
0: I get it. Yeah,
1: Kryptonite. I guess I But I'd do you really do
0: think that your inspiration comes from your kids primarily? Me or? personally? Yeah.
1: Yeah. For sure. Oh. Um I I don't think that I don't know if that's typical or not, but no, like I, I Yeah. I mean,
0: that's not me, so I don't know.
1: It seems like like the thing that people are supposed to say, especially as like a good mom, you know, but like I I really have had some really badass kids, like Sierra had this chromosome anomaly that you know kind of is an ass kicker and she just was so fierce and Mm. about it she embodied joy peace and love which is what i took from her lifetime it's what we wrote on her headstone Mm -hmm. dakota you know (laughs) we've had these very extreme opposites um biologically and then dakota is this like little brainiac who um is just off the charts with everything including her social skills and And what I realized in being their mom and just loving both of them is how like perfect, perfectly made they were, which I had really nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. It just was the way things mixed up, you know, Mm -hmm. from a moment in time. And so um, being able to draw on that and because I was facing like, Sierra could potentially die at any moment from the time that she was born for five and a half or five and three quarters years. It was such an extreme time frame. I, could, I couldn't really leave the room ever. So mm. we had 18 hours of in-home nursing around the clock when she was home. And, um, it, I mean, it was just, it was an uncommonly difficult thing to just actually sustain through. And so, like, I started focusing on things differently and seeing, like, you really start seeing the miracle and things. Like, have you ever noticed, like, ha- have you ever been to, like, a family funeral where people get together and, like, the family gets along better at the funeral than any other time. I hear this, and I've seen this and experienced this, where people are like, we should get together that. more. They're like, we should we should get together. And they, like, distant relatives come in. and. Yeah. But it's like if you threw them together on any given Wednesday, they would be, like, disinterested or there might be drama. Right. But there's something about death that brings you really present. And so having to But look, don't you think that... Go ahead.
0: Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, I... That it's not actually death. It's it's life at that time. I mean, because they're obviously like yes, uh,
1: she's not dying. She's still alive.
0: Or sure,
1: is that what you're pointing to? Well, I, I just different? mean
0: I, I I just mean that when people are saying these things like at, at this funeral situation that you're talking about, they're talking about. You you said there's something about about death that brings. You know. People the present. best out yeah well, like I just when think it, they when they face the real stuff but isn't it actually that that's when they realize what's important what, what life is is really
1: maybe or, I yeah I think that there's an. I definitely that's not necessarily the context I would put it in but I think that that I think that that's a very appropriate and accurate statement um, to me, I just call it being present. I think that when well, when we get real with our own moral, mortality, yeah.
0: it's a semantic like, thing, but yeah, we're saying the same. Yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: when we get real with like, oh, like I could die at any moment, they could die at any moment. Like this is what we have we take right life now for granted. Yeah, and so to me, it just jars us into the present. Yeah, and so we stop like being weird about the things that ultimately don't matter to us. And right. That we can do. So I was in that situation where at any I mean, that obviously, that's everyone's realities. any of us could die at any minute. But, like, with Sierra, like, w- there was a really good chance she could die at any given. Like, the, the statistics of probability got way higher with her. Mm-hmm. I can't believe she lived to be as old as she was. And at the same time, she was actually pretty stable when she passed. And so it was also like, oh, we, we were actually kind of buckling in for the long run, thinking she would make it to be an adult. So... Um, So, yeah, I do think that I drew on, like, the brilliance of their lives when they... I feel like I met Dakota for the first time when she was about three years old, which is when, just before, or just after Sierra was born. Mm -hmm. Because it started jarring me me into the present. And it was jarring. But when I would get to that moment of, like, you know, almost where it sounds like still air. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Where you just hear that, like, I just... I started seeing things I'd never noticed and so um, I'm really grateful that that one of the things I started seeing was the miracle that they that they are and in Sierra's case was hmm and then our son who we adopted mm-hmm. two and a half years ago he he was 13 and a half he's now you know almost 16 and he was lived in an orphanage from the time he was age four mm-hmm. and they tried to give him some language. His buddy, who was also adopted about the same age and who lived his whole life in the orphanage, has more a, a really good language skills. Our son's language skills, they're definitely coming around, but he was kind of a boy without language, which is devastating. Like Language is what we do everything with. It's how we describe good, bad, I mean, all yeah. of it. Yeah. And um, I look at the bravery in which he has handled the last two and a half years and it wasn't all easy like I was I'm sure it was downright traumatic for him he doesn't know what would have happened to him had he not been adopted if he was in in China yeah he doesn't understand you know like he wouldn't know that he would have been trafficked like he doesn't know that he doesn't know that most of the kids die within nine months or commit suicide of being um, released from the orphanage which happens at age 14 Wow. They're not given equivalent to a social security number. I don't know what they call it there when you're an orphan. And so at 14, you just age out and you're a ghost. And so he doesn't know all that. He doesn't know that like his life, like he just, but he loves it here. His life was
0: literally saved. Yeah,
1: yeah It probably. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely, he's definitely on easy street now compared to well, what I it would have been.
0: I was thinking more of what you were saying about the tr- the traumatic difference just in Changing from China to the United States, yes, and specifically Spokane area. Yes, the white. China. Oh, and the white, and yeah. like where are all the people? Like, yeah, totally. I mean, if, he, if he's been, yes, yeah, sub- seen. He, well, he was in
1: he was in Guangzhou, which oh, is I've the been capital, to yeah, capital. Yeah, capital of China. So, like subways, which of course he had probably never been on until he was with us.
0: Yeah, there. I mean, it's just so dense. Bumper it's to bumper he, humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you come over here, and it's like. Why is there so much space? Yes, everywhere. And then the smell. And smells. you live in the country, right? Yeah. Oh like yeah.
1: Here, it's, there's it's no like, one out here. <laughs> yeah.
0: That in and of oh, itself would be imagine? traumatic. I
1: was thinking to myself, he probably is like, are they gonna murder me? You oh, know, like yeah. except for he didn't even he have like even the no word murder for murder. Means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, that like animalistic brain of like, they might kill me. You know, Mm -hmm. and so, so we had this like six month honeymoon and then six months of really tough where he went through psychosis and, um, I'm really proud of him. He's, he's a very brave boy and he's really faced whatever he was dealing with. Uh, and I'm sure there's still layers to be unfolded, but like, I look at like what he's been able to do and overcome given, and we think that his parents died in a, in a fire based off of some things he shared very candidly, um, he has a burn on his calf, and we think he's actually from the north. Um, so, you know, he, he, potentially, he had a family. Oh, okay. And, um, <clears throat> and then lost them at age four, and then wasn't given language, you know, in an appropriate way. Yeah. And then these white people come and grab you and take you to a place where people all look way different smell different eat different everything's different Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah so i mean he oh he was like terrified of our dog I guess that they teach the kids to like kind of like stay away from the dogs in China because there's so many rabid yeah. dogs, and so
0: he's street dogs are not yeah, good. yeah don't, don't touch dogs. them so
1: yeah so he was very afraid of dogs he he loves them now and he understands that we have a very de- and of course in the Pacific Northwest we have such great healthy dog relationships but um, I just learned we, that we have a shortage of dogs from someone who works in a she uh, runs a rescue.
0: A shortage. Of yeah, dogs.
1: and she said we do such a good job of spaying and neutering our dogs. Hey, Bob Barker. She's yeah, right? Thanks, Bobbo. <laughs> yeah. So she said that the average dog stays three days in a kennel here, like at one of the no main society. Yeah. So she runs one, and she, I was like, well, then where are all your dogs from? And your, and she said, oh, they most of them come from Texas. I guess different parts of the U.S. don't spay and neuter at all. Wow. And I was like, interesting to hear that. Like, I didn't realize that there was such a regional difference and that kind of thing. But he's getting a healthy <laughs> relationship with the animals well, and <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah, <laughs> rabbit holes. Well, I liked your, I liked the answer to your inspiration. Okay, so well, here's some other deep stuff, okay. and we might have to cut this short. Because I'm a chatty get... Kathy. I well, I don't even know if we're going to get through all the questions, but it doesn't. Matter. I mean, if everything is
1: yeah whatever
0: homeostasis at the moment um do you feel in control of your life oh gosh (laughs)
1: probably probably (laughs) probably not well
0: well and the second part of it is uh what holds you down oh for not being in control of your life
1: okay so as far as control i think the time that i when i feel in control of my life is when i accept everything as it is and everything as it isn't plain and simple
0: that wasn't plain and simple.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, let me think. Uh, so, like with Sierra, peace came for me with her life when I accepted her as she was, mm-hmm. you know, with cognitive delays, very much like an infant, even at almost six years old. Yeah. And then also how she wasn't. So like she wasn't a kid who I could take out in public because uh, I would worry that somebody would cough in the other room and that she would become hospitalized for two weeks. Yeah. And I didn't want to put her through that. So I only could kind of share her awesomeness with people like in the summer when people were really healthy. Mm. And um, even then it was so minimal. And so I had to learn, like I accepted her for what she was, but there was also things like that she wasn't, you know, and I had to accept that too, in order to have peace for me. That's so, well, let's ask the question one more time. Would you,
0: do you feel in control, in control of your life? Yeah. And are there things that hold you down if not?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think like, I think that probably how that question would typically be read is really literal. And I just don't think that way. I think a little bit more like existential and philosophical cool. and all no, that. So,
0: I mean, when, yeah. when, when I was talking about this, that's exactly the way that I was thinking. I wasn't, I, I wasn't okay. just writing it for yeah, yeah. Yeah, surface I, value. I won't, I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a lot more to all of these questions that I wrote than what they yeah. just come out as. Yeah. So I yes. appreciate you thinking of it more deeply. Oh, that's good. what I mean. Good.
1: I'm not just different than the rest for thinking this way. That's great. So, yeah, so when I feel the least in control and what um, kind of has me feel like, well, I don't remember how you worded it, but ha- what has me feel like i think I'm basically oppressed when I'm out of control, that would be like if is when I'm just essentially reacting mm-hmm. and I'm not present and I'm not like taking a step back. And like looking at something for what it is, instead of creating the story and all that that I'm making it mean.
0: I think that's an awesome way to answer that in very short form. <laughs> um, I well, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit of where that came from because <clears throat> I I believe that many people live in a fantasy world inside their head. And um, and I don't think that people even think of it that way. They no, just, of course they're, not. They're so hung up with the yeah. internal dialogue that's going yeah. on in your mind that mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's yeah. just so commonplace that yes, that you don't realize that other stuff is going on totally. besides of what. And that's that is essentially why I wrote this question because I I know. Myself, I was so hung up on a reality that didn't exist. It was Mm. only inside of my Mm -hmm. brain. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it's taken me some, I've, I've I've had to have certain things happen to me that were very dramatic and severe in order for me to realize that that was the case. And, um, so... That's awesome the way that you answered the question because that's re- that's really that's really what I mean.
1: I said it in a way that I would hope you liked.
0: Just kidding. No, <laughs> no
1: I'm glad that I'm glad that it resonated. Yeah, no. and,
0: <laughs> I'm not. And, I'm and, too. And, and, uh, I know. It, it, <laughs> that's totally good though because I, um, when it comes down to control of your life, I mean, who's in control of their right. life really? We can't. Yeah. I mean, no one can even really say like you're saying we all could die at any minute. Yeah. Like, what Don, is it? Donnie Darko. Some plane might have crashed or hit something. Yeah. And it's going to fly through. Donnie Earth. Darko. Have you seen the movie?
1: No, but I'm going to start saying that word. Oh, well,
0: maybe I should see the movie. Well, I you should see the movie. Oh, and, I, and for those of you that have not seen Donnie Darko, I just gave away what happens in the whole movie. Oh. but um, oh.
1: oh, we didn't know that. Now you did. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> anyway, never mind. Forget about Donnie Darko. <laughs> That's great. Spoiler alert. No, you won't even you won't even get it. You won't even know what I'm talking about. Just watch okay. the movie. It's okay. incredible. Okay. Um but yeah, we all could die at any second. Yeah. Um so i and who is in control? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean I I would have to say that I believe that there's something with much greater power than me that is really ultimately in control, but I don't know what that is and I don't know and I don't even like putting words on yeah. it. Yeah. Unnameable. I think that's a good way yeah. of saying it. Um, or give it every name. <laughs> I, I, sure. Like
1: either go through all the names or the unnameable.
0: Yeah. Sure. Um, and that's what that question is about. Right? And, and I appreciate that you're the first person that's actually said anything like. Yeah. About what is going on inside of the, the reality in your brain. Yeah.
1: I like that you brought up Guarantee. In relationship with control, I never have put those words like kind of in the similar category. But there's a lot. There's that's like really in, that's really good stuff right there. There, yeah. I don't know. I just want to acknowledge that. Oh,
0: <laughs> that that <laughs> yeah. was it. I was oh.
1: actually going to say something different, but we had to pause and yeah. Then, um, now I don't remember what I was going to say. Well, but
0: that I and
1: oh, got it we've only been guaranteed two things, death and taxes, right? Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so like this whole, yeah. But like you take it into like control, like my gosh, infinite possibilities all the time. Mm-hmm. Things aren't going to always go. How we want them.
0: Right. And the way that you were talking about acceptance is really, I think a very significant thing about control of your life, yeah. because I think that, I think a big part of, why a lot of people overall have problems is that they cannot accept. Mhm. Mm. That that was the period at the end of the sentence, like, They can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, they don't they don't understand exactly what accept means. Sure. And um, it's kind of like choose for me. Yeah, I guess. I mean, what it comes down to really is that you are choosing one thing or the other. You're making a choice about whether to freak out or just say oh that's how this is Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. but for some reason most people i don't think understand what it means to accept anything and and people think when you when you talk about acceptance is they have to like some accept is like a positive connotation but that's totally not not true at all no yeah no and when you accept things i think it's probably there's a lot more negative things that you have to accept than positive things because you just automatically fall in the line with the positive things yeah acceptance really is based upon negativity or negative sure energy whatever you want to call it
1: the shit storm
0: yeah yeah so um anyway that was awesome thank you for answering it that way I appreciate it (laughs) um not that I didn't. For all of you listening, not that I didn't appreciate everything that everyone else said. You're all said. wrong. You're just, terrible. Fired. I just, I just like I, that hit me in the good spot today. Oh God. Um. So next question is. Uh, uh, I mean, it's kind of along. All of these questions are kind of along the same lines. What have you done that is truly wrong? Wrong. And what is
1: the most fucking up thing?
0: Something be truly wrong.
1: Yeah. Well. Oh man. What have I done?
0: I I have lived a fairly I,
1: boring life. I don't believe that at all. Oh, from a standpoint of like rebellious or like the things that are traditionally considered wrong. Well, um, I didn't
0: ask what is traditionally wrong. Right. I asked if hey, you've you done anything truly wrong. Because I the Ooh. I had one person that I interviewed in. It was interesting how quickly he said uh, what he said. Was, oh, um, like carrying some what, shame. Being wrong, the only time that anything is wrong is if you do a specific action and it negatively affects other people. And I never even thought about it that way, but that really does break it down pretty good for me.
1: Yeah, but even then, their reaction is oftentimes their responsibility.
0: Maybe. But Are you it, talking about
1: like I'm I punch you in the you, face? Yeah,
0: exactly. So like, so like yeah. the, the sole reason that I'm doing the thing that I'm doing is to cause negativity, oh. ba- like pain.
1: Well, I was hurt a bully in elementary school. <laughs> How did that make you feel? <laughs> I'm <I>, Brandon. <laughs> then, yeah, thanks.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I don't. I don't actually lump you into the people that were the mean kids that were mean to me. I, it's oh. so weird that you bring that up. I'll, you've brought it up many occasions and I don't have you in the line of the people yeah. that I'm gonna kill because of
1: that. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> a na- I'm not a nature. Like, I was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody dies, I we'll have an alibi because I didn't do it. Um I think by nature, I'm not a mean-spirited person. So when I have a mean, like when I can be really ornery, I can, cause I can definitely go for the jugular, like with my husband and my daughter when they're being stinkers or if I'm just in reaction to something that they did. And, um.
0: Do you think that at those times when you do that I do thing, think- that is well, wrong. I don't
1: necessarily believe in, like, fundamental right-wrong in the traditional sense, but I do have... like. Dude, <laughs> tell. You
0: can't just throw oh, out that Well, I mean,
1: and- it's all about existential. Like, life is empty and meaningless, which means we plug in the meaning, which means we're the creators of all that, you know? So, like, it's, you know, I mean, if there was one truth, we would all have it, like...
0: Is that true?
1: Well, I mean... It's more true than there being a truth, because if there was a truth, we would all believe in the truth, because it'd be the truth.
0: I, I, don't, I don't. I think agree it's with individual. You think there is a truth? I think that ultimately there is a truth out what there. What is your we, truth? I'm. I'm not saying that I know what it oh. is. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, I'm just saying that, that that is the thing that is driving humanity is that we're seeking yeah. this truth that we don't know how to find it or. Or yeah. who it is that can tell us what it is.
1: Yeah, the seeking.
0: But well, it feels I mean, dangerous. It?
1: it definitely feels like dangerous to have people think that life is empty and meaningless. Like to a lot of people, I think that they worry. But I also I've think that these... that's a,
0: a weird semantic argument because, like you said, when you very just nonchalantly said, life's meaningless, you can put it meaning on anything. <laughs> but that, that holds. I mean, there's a lot of conversations in that uh-huh. little yes. tidbit that you just I know, just and I do not have a philosophy
1: over. degree, but I have done a lot of work around that
0: concept. Mm-hmm. And I have
1: found it deeply, deeply empowering at times where I but was... when you
0: think about the human condition and you think about the lifespan of humans, doesn't yeah. it seem very meaningless um, in the greater scheme of things? I mean, right. think about our world. We we as these little teeny mm-hmm. things on this giant world mm-hmm. that
1: yeah just like we this may little... or
0: may not be destroying right now yeah. the work the work and if we do destroy it it's only destruction to us because we're not going to destroy the world it's still going to be here and we're gone yeah and it's still going to ooh interesting so yeah right just not so, in so, the same so that's all I'm saying but it's Our still life, be this sphere yeah us who we have all of this infinite wisdom and Mm -hmm. meaning or whatever (laughs) um when we don't exist anymore the world still exists the universe still exists how meaningless is our existence so you agree with me well i (laughs) i'm just saying there's a i i'm not saying that anything (laughs) is meaningless i think that everything is has meaning actually and, and oh yeah, well
1: we all give it a lot of meaning,
0: right? And I mean, I, there's seven and, billion of us giving it meaning. But I truly do believe that there's something out there that actually is sure real.
1: Something they're like there is an answer. We just don't know what it is. Right. That I'm I think totally there is a
0: truth. I I'm think totally
1: that, open to that.
0: And I don't know if it has to do with morality. And I don't know if it has to do with right or wrong. It's just the words that we put on it. That's the yeah. way that we have like interpreted it. But yeah. Yeah. All of that being said. Yeah.
1: Well, that gives warm fuzzies to think that way. I just, um, when I think other ways. Does
0: it really? Do you think that's like an optimistic way of thinking? Yeah. Of like
1: Because it's kind of like, it's not that different to like going to the pearly gates and meeting God. And then we hmm. get to learn, you know, because we just don't know. But there is this thing, you know, there's this unknowable, but it's there. And... My, what I'm saying, and that's by nature how I think, and I think it's just because I was raised in really conventional Christian. Sure, um, me too. And deeply loving, like my family loves Jesus. And actually I've found out that I do too. Um, I just don't love religion. And I don't love all the things that man has done with all these different teachers' uh, messages. And so I I think that it's a, a safer thing from the standpoint of um, i mean all the religious all the religious leaders and all the leaders of the world have not wanted humans to think that life is empty and and meaningless they probably don't think it's a very safe thing for us to go around thinking they probably think that there's a lot of really horrible people who are going to start mass murdering people or something so i don't necessarily... i i, That's I think happened. it's a Yeah. And if more people felt that way and they didn't have this sense of like fear of hell or uh, fear of God or love of God, then like maybe, maybe people would do even more heinous things. I don't know. Maybe that's why some of this stuff is happening today. I don't, I don't know. I just know that the path that has brought me the most peace, not the most, like just peace. I never had true peace before when I was, um, You know more indoctrinated with some pretty traditional belief system and so when i started getting more into like the existential look at things and looking at my child's face who was breathing but may not be in five minutes like that's where i found peace of like just stop making stories up about what's happening and just be here with her
0: that's awesome I wish I had a better word to say than that. <laughs>
1: that word's just been bastardized. Yeah. By all of it. <laughs> it's a good word.
0: <clears throat> okay. Well, you still didn't answer the question. Oh, I didn't? Okay, no. hang on,
1: say it again. Have let you say, ever me... done anything
0: listen. that's truly wrong? Oh <laughs> Well, I
1: mean, listen, based off of that if I'm going to so here's the other tricky thing, when you have that philosophical view, like I don't really take it on as a belief. Mm-hmm. That's the practice for me. It's a little more Buddhist. Uh, okay.
0: Well, let me instead of saying you're wrong. I would.
1: I. I actually don't have anything that resonates, but I
0: have hurt people. Yeah. Do you think there's like a, been an a evil streak in you? Oh fuck yeah. Okay. That's. All right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like duality of humanity, man. We all like. I have only become a better person in getting real about the shit that I am capable of or and or do. I don't become better by being like, I'm going to go and feed the homeless. Like, no, I look at the homeless person and I judge them until I, at some point, realize they are me. Mm. And, like, there's this whole spectrum that has to take place for me to, like, actually get to where now I can go and feed them because I'm feeding myself.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, gosh, that was, that was a pretty awesome way to answer. <laughs> All right, let's just jump into the next question. <laughs> and this one's bizarre. Oh. Um, well, kind of. Um, okay. What is your opinion... About the natural hierarchical order, in reference to humanity. Oh yeah,
1: like literally kingdoms down to. If
0: you want to think about it. The that peasants. Way. Sure, but I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking more <clears throat> figuratively than that.
1: Explain, because I go the wrong directions with
0: things. Well, um, originally, when I thought about this question, I was thinking about. Um, the way that the pendulum is swinging in our society right now, having to do with the patriarchy and um, gender identity and what is okay to say, the oh. Me Too movement. Are, are there? Is there like a hierarchical order?
1: Oh, that like comes who's naturally.
0: With, yeah, mm. like Could not you not like hierarchy, like kingdoms. But obviously, that's where the definition comes from. You know, mm-hmm. but. It, that's what I mean in reference to just humanity as a whole. Mm. What do you have? What is? What are your thoughts and perspectives about?
1: My personal. Any of that? Yeah, well, I think that um, in the United States we have. I mean, it's so interesting because this could be like broken down to different areas and how uh, people are raised. Yeah, this entire podcast yeah, could be about same. that question.
0: Yeah, yeah. But,
1: I mean. We live in a patriarchal society in the U.S., and then in Spokane, very much feels patriarchal.
0: Um, Why do you say that?
1: Well, I mean... (laughs) There's... Where we live, uh, the majority of leaders are still uh, white males.
0: Mm -hmm. Our mayor is a woman that used to be on TV all the time. Oh,
1: yeah. That's brand new.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yay, Spokane, progress. <laughs> I don't Is know. That progress? I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't follow. Vote for I don't know. <laughs> I didn't follow that. Okay. I voted for um, some of the stuff, but I unfortunately my voter's pamphlet got burned. <laughs> uh, or not burned, but thrown away. Okay. And I put things in a burn pile. We yeah. live in the country. No, 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 and no. and uh, mm-hmm. I left for Canada for a week. And to listen to Tony Robbins yeah, and Gary oh, John Bishop right, and Rachel Hollis, all these, and like the men are from Mars, women are from Venus author. I mm-hmm. can't remember his name. He was a little bit antiquated, but he seemed sweet. Um, and so I, anyway, I was, I did not have time to, to borrow somebody else's by the time I figured all this stuff out. So I just had to vote. So I did, I did not vote for mayor of Spokane. <laughs> we have a woman now. <laughs> we do. We do. I know nothing. I know nothing about her politics. I don't care. Yeah, but she does not have a penis. So I guess patriarchy's dead, just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) I'm good now.
0: Anyway.
1: I don't know, so I guess, okay, so what I really actually want to talk about instead of going down that road is as far as like the hierarchy, I'm hearing like, you remember like Maslow's Hierarchy of needs, Of course. Like that term. Maslow. Maslow. What is it like food, shelter, and then like love, it comes down, and like, yes. When I think about that, and the people, I mean, I, I immediately think of the most vulnerable population first. I think of our children, our elderly, orphans, people who have the least amount of resources, maybe it's a single mom who's been widowed or left, or whatever the case may be, and she's raising these kids. Like, I just look at like the most vulnerable first, and for me, I absolutely think that they need to be priority. So um, I don't think that that's happening very well right now. I don't think that it's what our priority is. I don't
0: think Jesus said it better. I mean, that's what Jesus said.
1: Yeah, I'd have to go back and read the book, I guess. (laughs) But I do remember being impacted by, you know, him saying, like, take care of the, I think he said something like, the orphan and widow. The least of
0: these you're doing to me. Yes, that, I, mean, that's exact, I, I remember it's being, you're exactly I remember, same, like, I do
1: not remember like uh, what do they call them? Scriptures, you know, the, like it, I don't memorize that stuff, it, it but I remember matter. deeply feeling that concept, uh, particularly with. You know, quote, orphans and widows. Like, that was what I think he spoke to that I remember. And, um,
0: orphans, widows, the poor, yeah, and needy.
1: So, I, how is it going? Really. I think, I mean, I do think that the USA is like given the good college try, but like we still have a lot of people needing, not wanting, needing. And I think that's really important to address. And so, I, I do think that, like, I mean, we're consumer driven, you know, there's a, There's some things that don't show, I think, there's things about our, and I love this country, but there are things about this country that don't reflect my deepest values. However, when I look elsewhere in the world, I don't see a lot of great models everywhere. There are some good models that we, I mean, there's ways to improve, like no one's perfect at this, you know? Um, So I think like, but I just think that more conversations need to happen. And I think like, I think we just need to have more conversations about our values. It's kind of like I'm doing this. Yeah, like it's not really about, like people with very different belief systems, mm-hmm. like I think ultimately want our most vulnerable cared for. Even people who, I come from a family and was raised in an area that was very, very on the Republican right, you know, right mm-hmm. wing side. But when you really break it down, of course they want our children cared for. Of course they want our elderly cared for. Sometimes their voting doesn't, act consistent with that, but I don't think that they fully understand, um, the conversation. And I think ultimately it's because it's being led down a road of like money, capitalism, um, taxes, like all the, the talking points go this very different direction and they go down a rabbit hole and I've done it. I used to go down that rabbit hole. And I think you just have to keep, we have to keep drawing back to what are we What is our actual value? Yeah. Um,
0: what is our actual value?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean that as a double. <laughs> like a triple entendre. <laughs> mm-hmm. No.
0: No, I I agree. Awesome. All right. Well, we're on to the last question. What is your theme song?
1: My theme song? No. Yeah, oh. That's the last oh, question. You know, the one that <laughs> first popped into my head is no longer my theme song, but I remember... Uh, I remember thinking that it was my theme song at one point, and it was when I played ice hockey Mm -hmm. my senior year. And it also like came out like probably our senior year right after. But it was "I get knocked down, (laughs) but
0: I get up again.
1: I never gonna get me down." Is that what it is? I don't even know. And you know. I've had to do a lot, like, like I said, like, I think human beings are built for overcoming, Uh you know? So like that song kind of embodies that. I love
0: that that is your first, like initial response. But,
1: but I've really worked hard to have like, like the way that I am being my, my viewpoint being that whatever presents itself is not something that I need to overcome. Mm -hmm. Like my daughter's death was not something that I need to overcome. It just is, like, and to get to an isness, And so as far as, like, current themes, I still like that. Like, I'm not... I think it's great that people are, like, overcoming machines. But I think that there's actually, like, freedom to be found beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so... Shit. I don't know. Like, I really work to have, like, the anthem of my life be, like, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Are you serious? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Because I... I'm small, right? Like that's a fundamental belief I have about myself. So if I can, if I, if I can get knocked down by being small and get up again by being a shining light, like I, I mean, really, this is all just me like going in circles. But like, I try and find ways to be more evolved. Does that even make any sense? No. I like it. if you look at it, there's like this, like, oh yeah, no, I'm more. You evolved, just have yeah. a negative connotation about being small. Yeah, for, yeah, but if it can just be something that shines out in the, the world. I don't know. I, I do. I love that song. I, that's all I know.
0: I think that is an awesome song. Is that like no, chorus? I, I don't know
1: like all the other verses. I just know the like... I'll I take can... a
0: whiskey drink. I'll take a vodka drink. I'll take a cider drink. Oh, no, no you're girl. talking about that
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about This Little Light of Mine. No.
0: Oh, <laughs> that song. Oh, I didn't even know it.
1: Oh. I'll take a cider shake. I'm going to throw up later. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to mix all my own I, lo- I didn't I mean love that, that part. Song. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. Um, there's so many good ones out there. No, you already said it. You already
0: said okay,
1: you but that's started. not my, I mean, it's not. It was. And
0: it's not. My, I don't think I have one now. Mine. I'm going to let it there's, shine. there's
1: one by Andrea Day, I think is her name.
0: I want you to sing
1: this little light of mine. <laughs> Shut up. Hey. <laughs> this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. What? What? I'm
0: gonna what let happens after that?
1: I'm gonna fucking just shine.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. Good point. Somebody can right. warm their hands around yeah. my candle. Oh. Uh, no, yeah, that's, that's not that good, is it?
0: No. I uh, should that, probably think about this. That, no. You don't <laughs> My know. life's
1: going nowhere. <laughs>
0: actually, I think that was very good. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: what's your song?
0: Uh, that's the problem. I don't actually have one. Oh, I think it's awesome when people oh, say up. something. No, Let's I really don't, don't have something. a thing. You should
1: probably come up well, with something.
0: I should, but then everybody else on every podcast would ask me that. Well, but
1: it changes. That's the thing about theme songs.
0: I don't
1: have one. Because there's difference between a theme song and an anthem. Like, you can have, like, a life anthem, mm-hmm. or you can have, like, a theme song. And I, I don't have, have a theme songs. song. Do you have an anthem?
0: I think that different songs just hit me in different ways on different days. Yeah. is that weird? That's, that's that the only that can... way that I know how to answer that question. Yeah. But um, I don't have a theme song, and I don't feel like I have a, a real anthem. If you're like happy
1: it, and you know it, clap your hands.
0: It's definitely. Well, what's your
1: daughter's? How old is she? Three?
0: No, no. How
1: she's old's your daughter?
0: Twenty-two months. Oh man, that's way ahead. She'll be two in January. Oh, okay, so that was not a year even, ahead. Yeah, she's. Her theme song is. Baby Shark, doo doo do, doo. <laughs> Baby Shark, that's her song. All right, we're ending there. Okay.